Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. And the village is actually in the real world, the modern world. Is it? It is. is no, that, saw that one coming. Is that where the village people come from? Yeah. The, the construction workers, the, the yeah. sailors, the Indians. I knew it. I knew that the village people were a frightening M. Night Shyamalan creation. <laughs> it's all connected. And I guess that fits in with the theme of the show, right? We potentially spoil things. What? Everything's connected or... Everything is connected. We can't help spoiling things. <laughs> either either potato tomato so while you're in a <laughs> potato talk- tomato while you're in a talkative mood Maddie yep. D why don't you explain to any first time listeners how this show works I would love to Mr. Kieran so here at Potential Spoilers we like to be really smug and ambitious mm-hmm. look at that's a- an important part <laughs> that's that's the main part we like to look at upcoming blockbuster movies like blockbuster movies upcoming movies yes. uh, by their trailers and their promotional materials and then we like to sit on this podcast before the movie comes out get all that content and and see if we can predict what's going to be in that movie and what the plot is going to be. Well, as much of the plot as we possibly can from right. that limited source material anyway. That's right. And we like to see how close we got, how far we got, and if Hollywood has become too predictable with their writing. Exactly. That is the overall theme of the show. <laughs> And a little bit of fun thrown in there as well. Why not? If you want to put one of our predictions to the test, there are actually two movies coming out this week that we've previously predicted. So we've got Dora the Explorer coming out. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's out in Australia yet, but it will definitely be out in the US by the time that this episode is out. And another movie that's out at the same time on exactly the same day is The Kitchen. Yeah, a movie that we didn't know was ever going to come out. Yeah, exactly. So well, I didn't. But... We predicted the plot of that movie without a trailer or even a drop of information. We had a cast that was list. so hard. And that was it. Yeah. If we'd known that it was based on a DC comic book, then we might have been able to cheat a little bit and look into that. But since we had no idea until the day that we recorded... Yes. Because that's yeah, another we, theme of this show. We, we don't just, do our research. Yeah, we just pulled the plot out of complete thin air for that that's one. Right. And I think that that might be the case again this week. Because oh, I certainly so? I certainly struggled with the plot of this week's movie. Oh, wow. Which happens to be the newest iteration of the Charlie's Angels universe. Yes, a soft reboot, as it were, I it guess. It is not a reboot. And it is not a remake. It's not I even a revival. a soft reboot. It is kind of a soft reboot. So, Elizabeth Banks is the director of this iteration of Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels 2019, I think it is the safest thing to call it. Yeah, it doesn't have a working title other than Charlie's Angels, does yeah, it's it? it's just Charlie's Angels. So. Not full throttle. <laughs> That's the only Charlie's Angels movie slash piece of media that has its own title. Mm-hmm. So, everything else in the universe has just been called Charlie's Angels. So... This is actually a continuation of the TV series and those first two McGee movies. Yeah. So I guess they're completely ignoring the 2011 TV series that only lasted four episodes. (laughs) I think it can all be combined, right? Yeah. Presumably so. Yeah. They specifically said that this is in the same universe as those previous movies, so it's not discounting those movies. Could be a cameo somewhere as well. Could well be. We do know that Drew Barrymore is involved. Yeah. I think she has a large stake in the Charlie's Angels franchise, so mm. she's often the executive producer of most of these properties. So she was a producer on those 2000, 2003 movies. The TV show as well, right? The 2011 TV show and this movie as well. So we could see a Drew Barrymore cameo. Could do. I kind of doubt it myself personally, but if you can work it into your plot, Matty D, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> so I've got to ask straight away, what is your history with the Charlie's Angels franchise? Uh, I watched it in free-to-air TV in the early 2000s, and that is my history. What are you talking about? That was not specific at all. Charlie's Angels, the first movie with uh, the, the Drew Barrymore movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, what was it He's called? A Charlie's Angels expert. Yeah, I know, right? It was Charlie's Angels, came out 2000, directed by McGee, That's starring... Right. Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, right. and Lucy Liu. And I liked it. I you thought it was it on free to air television. You thought it was important to point that out. It, yeah. <laughs> so you've never seen the 70s TV show? No, I have not. You didn't I, watch the 2011 TV series either? No, I did not. I watched the second Full Throttle movie in mm-hmm. cinemas. Did you think it was an adaptation of the video game Full Throttle? No, I did not. <laughs> you I went in disappointed. Was, I knew it was. Well, back in those days, I was a real big, um, this is going to sound really weird, but I really liked <laughs> the actors that were in that movie, particularly Crispin Glover, I was a big oh, fan yeah. of. So That's I was like, creepy oh, thin he's, man. he's back. He'll be good, but he was barely in those movies. Yeah. And, you know, I liked- They killed um, him off 
in the second one. Spoilers they for did. that movie. They did, but I was I kind of thought it was a fun movie. They had actors yeah. that I enjoyed in there. They had um, Bill Murray and yeah, as Bosley and Tim Curry. Yes, and who was one of the, the lead bad guys? Tom Green was in the movie. No, no, no. Yeah, Tom Green was in the movie. Who was the main bad guy? He was in Seven Psychopaths. Uh, I remember the guys. What was his name? He was playing Knox. Yeah, uh, that's his what his name he was. was. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. That's Sam it. Rockwell. Who's a very good actor. Whose name I couldn't remember then. Mm. Um, sorry, Sam Rockwell, who's an avid fan of the show. Yes, he's going to be very disappointed in you, Matty D. Uh, I, don't, I think I'll be off his Christmas card list. Add another person to that long list. <laughs> yes. I remember thinking they were fun. I remember the video game. <laughs> that oh was terrible. Oh my God, that <laughs> terrible video game. Yeah, I can't Those say Those weird stick women running around. <laughs> Gyrating and dancing all over the place. <laughs> That's right. What a nightmare that yeah. game was. No, yeah, I can't say I have a deep history with it. What about your expertise in the Charlie's Angels lore and universe? Well, quite like you, I saw the McG Charlie's Angels 2000s movies. Mm. I was about 10 when the first one came out. So as a 10-year-old, I found it very exciting. I think it was one of the first DVDs we ever like, owned. Ooh, pretty ladies. Yes, so I think I wore that DVD out watching it over and over again. <laughs> okay. Just because I thought it was a fun movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I hadn't had a lot of exposure to action movies or just movies in general at that point, and DVDs were very much a novelty, so I enjoyed the fact that you could rewind and skip around. <laughs> you and know we had VCRs jump. before yeah. that. Well, you could jump around, you could skip sections. <laughs> you it was so exciting. You could change the language and make them speak Spanish. <laughs> by, by the way. <laughs> By the way, do you remember when they used to advertise DVDs to have a, the special feature was scene selection. Yeah, interactive menu. Commentary. Director's commentary. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Here McG, get, those get into Charlie's Angels. Now, the original concept- <laughs> Made them speak Spanish. <laughs> if people aren't familiar with the whole universe of Charlie's Angels, as it is now established as a universe, the original TV show concept was three beautiful private detectives working for a millionaire, Charles Charlie Townsend, to solve cases and generally look good to be spies so the charlie's angels series has always been sold on its sex appeal i think that's important to point out straight away yeah i mean what was it 60s or 70s when 70s it was, late it was 70s, 70s. Yeah, 76 so to 81 i believe it was kind of fitting for the genre i guess a lot of critics called it at the time jiggle tv <laughs> there was a big surge of tv shows in the 70s especially late 70s at the rise of pornography and at the height of sex selling basically so if you're going to sell a movie or sell a tv show you're going to make it sexy because that's what sells yeah charlie's angels was very much playing into that so thinking back on it now i completely forgot basically about the huge sexualization of the characters. I'm like, oh, it was an early feminist show. You know, it had the female leads as the heroes. Yeah. Didn't realize that they were basically being objectified by the show's creators. Well, yeah. But yeah, I definitely know the series more but so. But they're for also, the... you know, put in protagonist roles and being heroic. So, yeah. You know. Well, that wasn't unusual for TV shows and movies at the time. It might have been for the 50s or 60s, but definitely not the late 70s, <laughs> early true. 80s. But yeah, I, I'm definitely more familiar with the early 2000s McGee movies. But again, in those movies, you could probably say as well, they definitely amped up the sex factor. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I <laughs> think at me. the first time. I mean, it was. Really, as it was really tongue in cheek movie, right? Yeah, Those in movies. more ways than one. And in the second movie, I remember the poster for the second movie was a close up of the three actresses' asses. That's right, with the in tight letter, with them like holding up fingers as like two. the number two yep. against the butt cheek. Yeah. And the first shot of our heroes in that movie is them emerging naked from Plaster of Paris. So <laughs> that very much tells you the mindset of the film creators right there. So with this new movie, they're very much playing up the angle that they're steering away from that whole sexualization of the women or the lead characters yeah. and very much looking to make it more of a feminist piece, yeah. more of a feminist statement of a movie and the sexualization of the characters is being toned down greatly. So they're not even going to have a romantic subplot in the movie, according to the director, Elizabeth Banks. Really? Because I am seeing very differently in the trailer. She said in an interview that right at the start of the movie, they want to play around with the concept that the angels themselves, Charlie's angels, use their sexuality to solve crimes and get ahead in cases. But they said they're going to tease that idea, but instead swap it out, do a bit of a fake out and show that they are actually capable, strong, tough women instead of just using their sexuality. So yeah. I think we see a little bit of that in the trailer with Definitely. Kristen Stewart. But again... From what I've seen of a lot of the promotional materials, I don't entirely agree with this whole sentiment and idea of them not using the sexuality in the same way that they have done in the past. How so? Like, what do you mean? I can are definitely you saying see it's not being done, or are you saying you don't like the idea? Well, I'm not saying that I don't like the idea at all of them not using <laughs> an outdated <laughs> okay, just, idea of just, sexuality. I just wanted to confirm that. Then. But 
I don't think they're steering away from it as much as they say that they are. Because mm. there's literally one shot in the trailer that jumps to mind automatically is Kristen Stewart in, in a... booty shorts? <laughs> well, yeah, she's in booty shorts in one shot, but she's also dressed as a jockey and they have a shot of her ass and she smacks herself on the ass yep. with a riding crop. But we don't know the context of that scene. What would be the context of that scene if they don't use their sexuality De- to... Distracting some... Yeah, but know. that's them using their sexuality to get ahead in a case which they said specifically that they're not going to do. Well, yeah. It could just be a little bit of fun, you know? Maybe. She's, she's dressed as a jockey. She's being a bit cheeky. Maybe it's a gag where <laughs> she's pretending to be a guy. So wouldn't it be funny if this guy, this jockey, the guy who takes the sport of horse racing very seriously is walking around like a woman slapping himself on the ass <laughs> with a riding crop. Who knows what jockeys get up to in their free time? I don't know. If they're no. into that, that's fine. But yeah. that might be the joke that they're going for. Maybe. But yeah, it seems a lot like, very similar to the Charlie's Angels we've seen before. Maybe just a little less so. And also I should point out, if they're steering away from the sexuality of the lead characters then they've done a poor job with casting because they've cast three extremely attractive women as our as our three heroes as well as Elizabeth Banks as Bosley as well well we have three Bosleys yeah that's true I wouldn't say that they're not attractive either <laughs> okay, Patrick multiple Stewart. Bosleys well you know but yeah so if they were focusing less on the sexuality and weren't looking to get I guess that audience a little bit of you know heavy breathing men in the audience <laughs> They might have gone somewhere closer to the direction in casting that The Kitchen took, for mm, example. Right. Like, the women in The Kitchen aren't all drop-dead yeah. supermodels. They look like mothers. They look like regular women that you'd see down the street. So, in a way, I could almost say that that if they really wanted to move away from the sexualization of the lead characters, then they might have made some different casting choices. But Well, we can't make that judgment just yeah. based on how... This is just my own personal opinion. The fact that the, the leads 90% are, of people are probably going to disagree with my sentiment, attra- but still. They're, they're three attractive women. We can't... Extremely attractive women. We can't make any do. judgment They on, could have cast anybody. There's hundreds of thousands of actresses out there, but they specifically chose these three actresses. Now, we should probably get into who's in the movie, but before I do that, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that Elizabeth Banks, as well as Kristen Stewart, who's one of the main characters in the movie, have said about the making of the movie. Now, typically, I just want to preface this, Mandy D and I, typically in the past, we don't usually like to go into whether the movie's making a statement or not, specifically whether they're making something like a feminist statement or something that really creates a lot of... um, We'll call buzz for a nice way. Buzzes amongst the general public. Yeah. We kind of try to steer away from that stuff because we prefer to have the movie stand on its own. We we look more about the story of the movie, yeah. the plot of the movie, rather than what the movie if is trying to say. If it's trying to make yeah any kind of statement. I mean, we could have easily gone into it last week when we talked about Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, or The Kitchen, yeah. Or The Kitchen. I mean, we mentioned it in The Kitchen because I think it was important too, but I don't even think you thought that they were going for a feminist angle in The Kitchen when I asked you about it in that <laughs> podcast. But I can definitely confirm... In this movie, this is exactly what they're going for. So they've said that. They've said that. Now, I initially thought that maybe this is just a misconception that I'm getting from the trailer from the first mm. few lines that maybe we're just getting the impression that it's an overly feminist movie, an overly feminist script, but they've actually said that they're trying to make a statement with, with this movie and it's, quote, totally feminist. Okay. Typically, Maddie D and I wouldn't address something like this, but since the filmmakers have insisted that's what they want to highlight, then I guess it's important that we highlight it as well. Yeah. So, of course, I mentioned already that there's a focus on reducing their sexuality and focusing more on their competency as agents, as private detectives. They've even said that they're going to cut out their whole training montage. They're not going to include a training montage as is traditional with Charlie's Angels because Elizabeth Banks has said, you know, we don't see Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible movies backstory of him leading up to joining the spy agency. We don't see James Bond pre-MI6 training to become a spy. So why do they feel we the need? James Bond's training, but anyway. In a small degree. Yeah, yeah. But she said, why do we always find it necessary to show a montage to show the backstory of any female strong yeah. character in a TV show or movie where we don't feel the need to do with it with a man. Yeah, good so point. if you think about the Charlie's Angels TV show opening or the, the original McGee movie openings, they show their whole life in montage before the movie starts 
showing where they got all their skills from as yeah. agents. So she said she's not going to do that. Thank God. I w- that wasn't yeah. in my plot. And I was like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> I thought they might do it again in montage as a sort of wink and a nod yeah. to the TV show. But apparently they're staring away from it because they're just already established in this world. They're competent. This is their job. We don't need to see any of their life before this because it's not important to the plot. Fair enough. And it shouldn't be important to the plot. Yeah. On the topic of steering away from sexuality, Elizabeth Banks has said, and I quote, the women in this film use their brains and their wits. We had a mantra, which was we were going to fight smarter, not harder. And in relation to this, Christian Stewart, I think she was on the panel as well, said, when was the last time you saw a movie where a group of women were sitting together and figuring out how to overcome something, how to formulate a plan and be proactive about it? I don't know about you, Maddie D, but I think I saw that in the trailer for The Kitchen. (laughs) We're destroying the patriarchy in this movie. It's about a company that was created by well-intentioned men and then taken over by corrupt jerk-offs. So we're taking the company back and reinstating its mission statement. Again, I think they're really pushing the whole feminist angle of this movie through that statement, but I think it's a very important statement about the movie because what they're saying essentially through that is they're not making a movie where they're saying women are better than men. They're not saying that all men are bad. They said that the angels, their characters, are fighting against the worst... The system. They're fighting against the system and they're fighting against the worst of men. Yeah. So they're not fighting against all men. They're not saying that all men are (laughs) horrible scumbags. Everyone everyone get off their keyboards. So through... (laughs) Which I know is going to happen when this movie gets released. Yes. So through their idea of smashing the patriarchy, they're taking down the worst of society, the worst of male society, the worst of toxic masculinity. And then it's not about forwarding an agenda, basically. Mm. So... Yeah, I think that's a good Sounds angle good. to take. Whether they can convey that in a two-hour movie, <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure they can. Of course, with a movie like this and any sort of movie that makes any sort of big statement, you're going to have some level of backlash from the general public. Oh, yeah. And there has already been... There's only been one trailer for this movie so far. And people are losing their minds. And people have already started losing their minds, <sighs> exactly. So, the main issue... Can we also just say that there is just one trailer for this movie yes, as well? I did just say that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Just want to point that out. Thanks for reiterating it. But yes, people listening. The main issues that people have, I've listed them all here. I've gone through all of the uploads of the Charlie's Angels trailer on YouTube and gone through the comments to look at what the most common complaint was. The major complaint that everybody has is that these angels use too many guns. That's the issue. (laughs) Yes. That's the complaint. They're going, the ones in the McG movie never used guns. And also the ones in the TV show never used guns. Well, they did in the TV show, but I think they have very short memories, these people. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's a legitimate concern that a lot of people have. They say these can't be Charlie's Angels as we know them because they use too many guns. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Another issue that a lot of people had was that there was no Asian angel. I thought they were quite diverse with their casting. They for this are one. very diverse with this cast, so they didn't get an Asian angel because they're looking this basically. Lucy Liu, yeah. yeah, they're looking at this basically as though it's a direct remake of that 2000 Charlie's Angels movie. Mm. They're going, well, where's the Asian? People angel? do know that there are typically three angels, so you can't re- <laughs> like you got you're kind of limited. But people don't know that this movie is a continuation. They right. don't know about the 70s. TV show, they're just seeing this as they're taking this movie that they love and then completely pissing all over it by doing it all wrong. So that's the way that they're seeing it. So yeah, upset about No Asian Angel. Another large amount of people saying, I'm so sick of Hollywood not doing original ideas. (laughs) It's another case of adapting a TV show or doing a remake. I'm so sick of unoriginal ideas. People are saying that about a lot of stuff. Absolutely. They're just hanging that on this movie. (laughs) Now, another major complaint that people had was that all throughout the trailer, the characters remove wigs and they have perfect hair underneath. People have said, I am so sick of seeing unrealistic hair hair (laughs) under wigs in movies. God. So these are the complaints. Yes, these Uh, are the complaints. (laughs) The complaints that, yeah, lesson learned, Elizabeth Bank, make your hair more realistic. So when they take Uh, their wigs off and the hair tumbles out, it should be all mussed up. It should be sweaty. It should be all clumped up. How is anybody supposed to relate to people who take off wigs and they have immaculate hair? How? How? Exactly. It just takes me right out of the movie. I think that's going to be the major flaw of the movie when it comes out. And now I did see a couple of circumstances of people just saying, go woke, go broke. (laughs) Okay. Which I haven't heard before. (laughs) (laughs) I found it kind of amusing. Right. Go work, go broke. So 
that is the sentiment of the people. So All right. I think it's so worth addressing. Do that. we have any like positive? I guess go woke, go broke might be well, positive, but is there like a I positive? I didn't see a lot of positive buzz. I didn't see a whole lot of it, but a lot of the positive comments weren't really that positive. There were more so people saying, Yeah, I like the fact that they're pushing boundaries of this movie. I like that yeah. the fact that they're making statements and I can't wait to see all the salty man tears upon the release of this movie. <laughs> so that's kind of a positive statement, right. but they're coming from a place of hate, basically. Because right. I remember when I saw this trailer, I was like, I like the fact that they're making a movie and, and doing something different with it. So I was kind yeah. of excited. I thought it was a cool idea. It was a cool spin on an old concept. And if you're going to make that statement, the Charlie's Angels world is a good place to make it because it's so renowned, as you said, for that style. I mean, if they can take the idea and do something new with it and do something good mm. with it, I'm all for it. Mm. Please, yeah. make the movie. Yeah. But there's every chance that it could go <laughs> it's gonna belly suck. up. <laughs> it's going to suck. No one's going to like it because... Well, people are going to be angry regardless. Yeah. There'll be people that boycott it. I think we've learned style. time and time again that if you lean too much in one direction in a movie, it's never going to work out in your benefit in this day and age. Mm. If you give the impression that you have a specific agenda, people are always going to fight back against it. So it's basically the same. And take it personally. Yeah, whether you agree with the politics or behind the movie or not, making a statement is always going to ruffle feathers. So if I came to you and said that Star Wars Episode One was the best Star Wars movie of all time, that's a statement. Doesn't exactly make it true. Yeah, because it's the second one that's the best. <laughs> People may disagree or <laughs> agree with your opinion, but it's, it's very different, awakens. basically. It's very different to make a statement and then have a message. You can have a message. This movie might have a message. They may convey it very well. But through making a statement, they're already going to have pushback. That's basically all I wanted to say about it. Okay. Let's talk about the actors. Let's talk about the movie itself. Yes, please. Yes, please. Now, we've mentioned her already. Playing the character of Sabina is Kristen Stewart, mm -hmm. who you may know. I'm going to have to mention the movie. Everyone knows her from Zathura, the sequel to Jumanji. Of course. Where she was yeah. frozen in space for most for of the most movie. For most of the movie, yeah. She was the older sister. Of course, we know her as Bella Swan from Twilight and was her various facial expressions. Was she in Panic Room? Yes, she was with yeah. Jodie Foster yeah. as a younger girl. That's right. So she, I think, is very much trying to shake her Twilight persona in this movie. Yeah, she mildly sirened up. Yes. So she is smiling. She's laughing. She's joking around. She's trying to convey like she's got a personality. <laughs> What are your thoughts, Matty D? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think she's a different actor and different personality to this movie. So, I so. think everyone has sort of lumped her into that Bella Swan role ever since those movies came out. And they are arguably her biggest roles mm. so far in her career. Yeah. But if you ever saw her again in Panic Room or Zathura or anything before or after Twilight, you will know already that Kristen Stewart has a decent amount of range. It's just that people won't give her credit for it because all they know her for is doing a screwed up face like she just smelled dog shit yeah. moping around. And sometimes you've got to lay some blame on the writing and the directing. Yes. But uh, moving on from that, she looks like a cool character doing this um, so I'm excited about it yes absolutely good to see her back now playing probably the lead character or at least one of the leads I would say so is Naomi Scott as Elena mm -hmm. now you may have seen her recently yes. in Aladdin Mm -hmm. And not much else. You couldn't think of a joke one for that, could you? No, because she hasn't done she hasn't anything. done anything else other than that big, huge The obscure huge movie. one would be true. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we say about her? I didn't watch Aladdin, so I don't know. Yeah. Two big roles in one year. Yeah. Hitting it out of the park. So this could be the start of a very big career for Naomi That's Scott. That's uh, And the next person I wanted to talk about was Ella Belinska, who's playing Jane. Now, she is someone else who had zero roles. 80% <laughs> of her Wikipedia page, when I looked her up, just said, she's in the upcoming Charlie's Angels movie. <laughs> so she's done a fair bit of television in the UK, and I think she's done right. one or two independent movies. Because she's British, right? Yeah, this is her figure. first major role. I think she's the daughter of a celebrity chef. Oh, really? Yeah. I couldn't tell you which one. Cool. But it's definitely... <laughs> people out there are probably screaming at me because yeah. for being so stupid, but I don't really follow celebrity chefs. <laughs> But yeah, she's the daughter of one of those people. Okay. Now, the director of the movie, also playing Bosley herself, one of the many Bosleys, is Elizabeth Banks, who I probably know best as playing Betty Brant from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. She was also in <laughs> She Slither. was in that, wasn't she? Jeez. She was in what, sorry? Slither. She was the wife in Slither. Okay. The James Gunn movie. Right. And she was also in Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Those are the three things that I know her best from. <laughs> What do you know her from, Manny D? I know she was in Scrubs as well. Yeah, she's one of those faces that always gets around. I don't know how much she's directed before. I understand she's directed quite a few things. Mm -hmm. Well, not too many things, but she has definitely directed before. This isn't her directorial debut. Yeah. As we said, it's a passion piece for her. Yes. She actually appears quite a bit in the trailer. If you watch the official trailer, she actually introduces the trailer at the start of it. It says, directed by Elizabeth Banks in huge letters at the start. <laughs> and then through 90% of the trailer, she's having a lot of the dialogue. 
Now, here's someone we've actually talked about a fair bit before. I'm excited. A returning actor to this show is uh, Jimon Onsu, yeah. who we saw previously in Captain Marvel. Yep. And Shazam. Look at this guy. And this isn't the last time we're going to talk about him this year either. Yeah. He's coming up in another movie in a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. Now, he is playing Sam Bosley. I don't think I said that Elizabeth Banks was playing Susan, Susan. Bosley. Yeah. But he is playing Sam Bosley, one of the many, many Bosleys in this universe. Well, there's, yeah, there's three that we know of. Now, of course, we've talked Jimon Onsu before. He is probably the busiest man in Hollywood at the moment <laughs> yeah. since he's got so many roles. Mm. I don't think we had too much to say about him last time. He's always yeah. serviceable in every movie he's that good. he does. And the last person I wanted to talk about yes. playing Stan Bosley is Patrick Stewart. Mm. Now, if you don't know him as Captain Picard from Star Trek, you'll know him as Professor X from the X-Men. Yep. But I probably know him best oh, God. as the psychiatrist from Life Force who's possessed by a sexy alien vampire. And he actually had his first on-screen kiss with a man. Did he really? Really? Yeah, Patrick Stewart, that is. There you go. Didn't know that. He was also Macbeth. Yes, he was. Stage. Very much a big British stage presence as well as a movie presence. So He's a voice in American Dad as well, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. I think he plays Stan's boss of all people. That's right. And he's playing Stan Bosley here. Well, there's a connection. Oh, oh, my, God. oh my God. Not at all. Star-studded cast. Yes. I don't think Patrick Stewart's going to play a huge role in this movie. I think it's more of a glorified cameo, if you okay. ask me. Yep. Disagree, but, but, you know. It's fun to talk Patrick Stewart in a movie <laughs> for a change. He doesn't do enough movies these days. So that's everybody who I wanted to talk about cast-wise. Was there anybody else who you wanted to mention at all, Matty D? I mean, there's a few extra characters, but that's a, that's everybody who's worth a mention, yeah, I think. I think if they pop up in the plot and if they're worth mentioning the actor at all, we'll do it naturally through our plot predictions. Yeah. But it's time to go into what we think is going to happen in the movie. Let's do it. I think it's my turn to go first. It is. I'm looking forward to what you have to say. Oh, yes? Yes. I'm, I've already noticed just by what you're saying that we're already going to have different plots. Yeah, I can guarantee it. <laughs> Just judging from the way that you walked in and the confidence that you had <laughs> placing down your notes, I know that we're going to have completely different plot predictions. Right. Now, I've got to say straight away, I'm really not confident with this one at all. Really? Yeah. Did you find it hard? I found it incredibly hard. I racked my brain, scratched my head, really? stressed and strained, and finally threw all the ideas that I had onto paper, and, and this, this is, is the it. result. So, I think the plot of the movie is going to play out in a similar sequence to the plot of the trailer. So, the trailer opens up with a shot of Brazil, I think. I think it's the Brazil skyline. I'm not is exactly <laughs> sure. If not, it's Hong Kong. <laughs> one of those two places. Anyway, so, I think it's going to start with a cold open where we're introduced to Sabina and Jane, the two lead angels in this movie who are wrapping up their most recent case. Quite like we saw in the trailer, Sabina is going to beat up a sexist white-collar Chinese Boo. criminal who's stolen a large amount of humanitarian aid money. I like to imagine he's, it's his face on the little help this child in yeah. you know, this area. It's just with his, his hand out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just taking that Or with money. a sack of money. <laughs> While Jane beats up his bodyguards. So Sabina, as we see in the trailer, is acting as a distraction while all the guards are watching her wrap a curtain around his neck and Ooh. do the, you're hitting yourself, basically, <laughs> motion with his hand. Jane can uh, sneak up behind them. UFC elbows, Kieran. Oh, okay. Yeah, she does beat him up in the face with elbows later on. But yeah, Jane sneaks up behind them, all dressed in stealth gear, and takes out the bodyguards. And mission accomplished. They're congratulated by Patrick Stewart's Bosley. And cue the theme tune. I don't think it will be the classic Ooh. TV show theme tune. I think it will be the new Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, Lana Del Rey theme song that they've been promoting. The new single that they've been promoting <laughs> lately. It's going to be great. Now, just a little bit of background here as well. The Townsend Agency started in the 70s with three angels only. So, three female private detectives. The ones, presumably, that we saw in the TV show. I know they were swapped out as the series progressed. But it is now an international operation with multiple female agents placed all around the globe with multiple Bosleys as well, if we can't reiterate that point enough. <laughs> so at this point in the movie as well, we'll be introduced to Elena, who is assigned as working for the Brock Corporation, that's B-R-O-K Corporation, and they are developing a new portable source of clean, unlimited energy. And this device that produces this energy is called the Callisto device, or just the Callisto. Where'd you get that from? I heard it in an interview. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, they just said the name of the device. They didn't say what it right. did. Now, she works alongside, Eleanor, that is, works alongside her best friend Langston. And their boss is a happy-go-lucky tech wizard, sort of similar to how we want to imagine Facebook is run or Google is run, where it's just, you know, a cool video game playing guy in a t-shirt, a whiz kid, basically. Yeah. Someone who never grew up. This guy's name is Alexander Brock, head of the Brock Corporation. Now, his name isn't spelt the same way as the company name. Yeah, I noticed that. And he has grand visions of bringing about world peace through eliminating the need for fossil fuels with this Callisto device. However, 
Brock oh, no. has a meeting with someone who he thinks is a prospective buyer, but they're actually an international terrorist played by Jonathan Tucker. Now, this character doesn't have a name listed. Now, I think specifically they haven't given him a name because they're not going to give him a name in the movie. So, this is going to be this movie's version of the creepy thin guy. Wow. But instead of being a henchman, he's going to be the main villain. So You don't think he'll have a name at all? No, I don't think he'll have a name at well, all. Or like so, a phony name, maybe. No, I just ended up calling him the villain. Baddie. He is more of a representation of evil rather than a physical person himself. So Ooh, he going deep. He represents the man. He represents the worst of mankind, basically. So, he is what they're trying to fight. So where he uses actions instead of words, it's a high contrast towards the angels themselves who are known for their smarts, who are known for talking to each other, their communication. So through having no dialogue, he's showing no intelligence, no communication, and therefore he is less human. So we don't see him as a human character, basically, because he's cold and calculating. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. So the villain will kill Brock during this meeting. I think Brock's girlfriend is listed in the cast His list as well. Is, so yeah. yeah, I think she'll be killed at the same time. Maybe it'll be at a nice restaurant and they'll be poisoned or whatever in a very brutal way. Not too brutal, a brutal PG-13 way. And the villain will take over his company with the intention of turning the Callisto device into a high-powered bomb. Ooh. I also think that Elena will have a sexist supervisor slash co-worker who constantly belittles her and only sees her as a pretty face rather than a scientist which she is a scientist that is not a pretty face (laughs) so it's going to be very handed overt sexism from the supervisor character maybe he's even going to be a little bit gross and flirty and slimy and dripping all over in one scene is his name Sven? could be I don't know maybe Sven got I'm not going to rule it out So, Elena is well aware of the Callisto's potential to be exploited, and when she becomes aware that her company has been taken over by the villain, she turns to the Townsend Agency for help. Elena meets up with another Bosley, not the Bosley that we saw earlier, Patrick Stewart's Bosley, Sam Bosley, played by Jimon Onsu, and they meet in a cafe to discuss her concerns about the Callisto, but they are soon attacked by the villain and his spies. Same villain as before? Same villain as before. He's been sitting in the cafe watching (laughs) them the whole time. Well, he has his back to them, so he just sort of turns around and goes, <laughs> I've been listening, and he launches an attack on them. I've been thankfully, typing everything you've been doing yes. on my typewriter. Old typewriter. So thankfully, Jane, one of the angels, has been there the whole time, undercover as a waitress, and she comes to their rescue. That's her second job. No, angels don't pay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Need to pay that rent. So she bundles Bosley and Elena up into a sports car and they have a big high-speed car chase where they're shooting guns at each other. The villain will chase after them with a big Gatling gun mounted on the front of his car. Cool. It's going to be a very impressive chase sequence, a lot of high octane. But thanks to Jane's skills as a former MI6 agent and competent member of the Charlie's Angels team, they're able to escape unharmed. So Jane and Elena at this point will meet up with Sabina and Susan Bosley. And I think they'll have the gag of when Elena is introduced to this new Bosley, she'll be like, I thought the other guy was Bosley. (laughs) No, I'm Bosley. (laughs) We're all Bosley. (laughs) Everyone who's not an angel is a Bosley. Yeah, basically. So Susan Bosley, a bit of backstory, is a former angel who's been promoted to the Bosley role. Oh, yeah. But I think she'll still get down and dirty with the angels. She'll step in whenever she's required and show off some of her previous skills. She doesn't want to be stuck behind the desk. Yeah, she's a person of action. Yeah. So they decide at this point that the best way to keep Elena safe during their investigation is to have her with them the whole time since she has important information on the Callisto and the people involved with it. She knows the layout of the headquarters, so on and so forth, and how exactly it works and the science behind it. She basically is one of the lead developers of it. Quite like we saw in the trailer, I think the next few minutes will be a series of several comedic scenes where she's introduced to the world of the Townsend Agency and the Angels themselves. So we'll see the scene where they get dressed up in some fancy clothes, they go into the closet, and Bosley steps in and goes, oh, you're still in the first closet. We, you haven't seen the second closet, the old cliche of the second closet being full of weapons like we haven't seen in two million movies. <laughs> and she'll mess around with a spy gadget and get told off by the flamboyant saint dressing man. Is he the saint? Yeah, he's the saint. I'm helping you plot it's it's not a crossover with the roger moore tv show (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah so there's the flamboyant saint there the saint who is their fashion consultant i guess and he slaps a potentially explosive device out of Elena's hands, which doesn't seem that particularly safe if you ask me. If you slap it out of her hand, yeah. Yeah. Now, I think the next hour of the movie, it's probably going to be around a two-hour runtime, the next hour of the movie will be Elena, the Angels, and Bosley globetrotting, wearing disguises, and going undercover to various high-class events in order to learn more about the villain and his plans for the Callisto device. So they're going to go to the horse race like we saw in the trailer. I'll go into that in more detail in a second. And I think they're going to go to like a 
Saudi Arabian country, Egypt or something like yeah, that, yeah. where we're going to see standard, typical Middle Eastern Arab-style terrorists like they <laughs> couldn't help showing in the trailer. Uh. And throughout their adventures, they'll eventually learn that the villain is meeting up with other international terrorists and offering to sell them the Callisto technology to use as a high-powered bomb, as we mentioned before. They're not interested in uh, limitless clean energy? No, of course not. They totally have the market on. You know, they're Saudi Arabians. They have <laughs> oh, the oil just, market cornered. They don't need any more... They just need to blow people up. ...unlimited supply of energy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or maybe he's selling it to them. Maybe they want to buy it, because if they have it, no one else can use it. So therefore, they sit on this new renewable energy. They don't use it until the oil supply runs out and then they have the corner on that market Ooh, again. That's cool. Maybe not. More so, I think they're going to... Blowing stuff up. Blowing stuff up. I think that the Angels will be able to recover the Callisto device at a horse stud auction. A scene ripped straight from A View to a Kill, the Bond movie, after the villain has sold it to a fellow terrorist at the event. But Elena informs them that this could be one of many Callisto devices. Oh no. Because the villain has taken over the Brock Corporation. They basically have the resources and the technology and the information to produce as many of these as they can. So there isn't just going to be the one device. By getting the device away from the terrorists, they haven't prevented anything from happening because this is just one of many. So Elena and the Angels find Elena's former colleague and best friend Langston, who I mentioned earlier. They find him at a nightclub, which is Matty D's favourite movie location in his plot predictions. Better believe we're going to that in my prediction. A dingy, gritty nightclub, I bet he'll say. And he gives them the down on the current state of the Brock Corporation under the new rule of the villain. So Jane and Langston, as we see in the trailer, will develop an instant attraction to each other over a mutual love of chemistry. (laughs) But this relationship will never progress beyond a casual flirting, done mainly for comedic effect. Mm. Now, I forgot to point out as well that throughout their journeys that Eleanor, Jane and Sabina will bond and the two angels will encourage Elena to be more confident and self-empowered. And Jane will also reveal that she has a knowledge of science and technology that rivals Elena's own background. And Sabina will play the role of the token dumb one of the group. Okay. She's not really that dumb, but whenever, whenever Elena and Jane start talking science, she's just left dumbstruck in the corner and can't really keep up and has to have things explained to her in layman's terms. Mm. Again, awful laughs. Back to the plot. The angels need to infiltrate the Brock Corporation and destroy the files and the equipment needed to create the Callisto devices. So they don disguises, they put on their wigs over their immaculate hair and steal... <laughs> ID slash access cards from the employees as they arrive to start their day at work. So quite like that scene in the seventh Harry Potter movie where... They all pretend like they're working at the Ministry of Magic. Yes, it's going to be quite like that. So inside the Brock Corporation, the angels split up with Elena tasked with wiping the files on the main server while Jane and Sabina go after the villain. While trying to wipe the digital files, Elena will be confronted by her sexist former supervisor slash co-worker and she will take great delight in beating the crap out of him. Okay. And we'll have that moment that we see in the trailer where they say, oh, did that feel good? It looked like it felt good. So she takes out all of her frustration and anxieties out on this guy after years and years of abuse, presumably. Or maybe even weeks and weeks of abuse, because presumably he's part of the villain corporation when they take over the Brock Corporation. Well, they just kept him on the In my plot, anyway. Yeah, they kept him on the You're a sexist, misogynist man. We'll keep you around just to be mean. You're the kind of guy we like. (laughs) You're keeping your old job. Sabina and Jane will have a gunfight with the villain and his henchmen in a big factory, I imagine, the factory where they make the Callisto devices. And this will culminate in them fighting with the villain in hand-to-hand combat. Now, I also think that Susan Bosley will come flying in dramatically to help them out at some point, whether it's in the firefighter or the big kung fu fight at the end here. So even though the villain is a skilled martial artist, Sabina and Jane are even more skilled and they're able to defeat him. And as he's defeated, he'll utter his one line of dialogue. It'll be like a Silent Bob situation where he'll say... Oh, he doesn't say anything for this entire time? Yeah, he hasn't said anything through the entire movie. Maybe just grunts. And as he's defeated, he's just about to be knocked down. And he'll say something like, oh, you crazy bitches. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, shit. Or just something <laughs> obscene. That's always what they do in this circumstance. And everyone will laugh and cheer. The audience will burst up, laugh and cheer and applaud. Uh, Standing ovation. The three people in the audience, including us, (laughs) will laugh and cheer. So after the case is wrapped up, Elena finally decides to become an official angel and join our heroes in forming the classic trio, setting up the possibility of them having further adventures across several sequels, potentially. Will that happen? Only time will tell. (laughs) We'll find out in a couple of months. I'm sure it will. I'm sure we're opening up a trilogy. And I think by the end of the movie as well, it will be suggested when Elena questions the existence of Charlie or who exactly Charlie is. I think they'll make a strong suggestion that Charlie may not actually 
actually exist, but he's more so an idea, a concept developed to bring all these strong women together. So he may have been a real person at some point, but they may even say hasn't been a real Charlie for a long time. So who's in the voice? He's a figurehead. It's a recording, maybe. Oh, okay. Well, the real Charlie's dead now. The actor who played Charlie's been dead for about 10 years now, so it's not like he's going to come back. So maybe they'll pay homage to that. They'll dedicate the film to his memory and say, you know, Charlie, we're all Charlie. Like, we're all Bosley. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's Bosley. And that's my plot prediction. Do you want to be a Charlie's Angel or do you want to be Bosley? Cool. No, you have to be promoted to Bosley. Cool. It's an important there's, position. I think I think uh, there was a lot of ideas there that I found really interesting that I didn't even think of. So that's really cool. Do you want to hear what I have to say? No, let's go home. Okay, bye. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think anyway, okay, good. because it's interesting, because how you started your movie was a lot like how I was going to start mine. Okay. In fact, in fact, exactly like it. But I've changed my mind literally in a few minutes in coming into the studio today and recording. I just was like, actually, no, I'm going to change this. So here's how we open. We're opening with a cold open mm-hmm. and we're opening with Alexander Brock and his wife. Now, unlike right. you, he's not some young hip happening with it. You know, Mark Zuckerberg type. No, no not at all. Or he the kind is, of person that Mark Zuckerberg wants you to think he is. He is your classic corporate businessman and he is making an announcement in his corporation because he's releasing his new product now in my notes and in my mind prediction it's just called brock because that's what the actual things i saw were yeah. they just were called brock they have a I'll- box with a whole bunch of little tiny devices mm. in them that are labeled with brock b-r-o-k so i figured that's what they were called and i figured hi i'm alexander brock and i'm introducing the brock device <laughs> because that's his name and you know he's all about self-promotion well, better than bath <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't know they were called the Callisto. Well, that's what they said in the interview. It may have changed. So forgive, Elizabeth Banks said this. Forgive me that I've got the device wrong. But he's introducing his new product, Brock, and Brock is congratulating himself. However, unbeknownst to a lot of people there, or beknownst to the right amount of people, Elena and a few other people were actually responsible for creating this product. Now, what yeah. this product is... So what, he's taking credit for it? Yeah. Well, he's the face of the company. He's the e- Brock Corporation. Exactly, so. exactly. So not it's not everyone is disgruntled, but you get the idea that this big blowhard he's is... He's not giving them enough credit uh, that they're Look due. at this this new product. So he, he speaks about this product with his wife there in front of everybody at this sort of press conference with his sort of scientists around saying, yes, we're going to introduce this new unlimited clean energy. Mm, very nice. That's going revo- to revolutionize the power industry. And yeah. then he releases... Then he Because they did say that in the trailer, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. And then he shows off the Brock device or the Callisto. Call it the Brock uh, device. Because <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm going to call it the Brock device. Elena comes in and talks to Brock privately, saying she's found out something about the product that may be a little bit risky. She says that although the product can give supply of clean energy and unlimitless energy, it can also have a defect where it actually... Uh, Makes men sterile. <laughs> ...has the ability to sort of create nuclear waves and mm. sort of kills oxygen and kills plant you mean life. Like radioactive waves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of kills plant life. Kills- so it's the opposite of clean energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for this reason, she says that they should discontinue it or at least look into it further so they can fix these problems. Move on to stage be- two of development. Exactly, exactly. And Brock laughs this off. He brushes this off and patronizes her, tells her, oh, Get back to the don't kitchen. worry about it. It'll all be fine. Look at you. You're such a good little guardian angel. Mm, um, very cute. Alina will leave and as she's left, she realizes that there are shady people watching her. And as she gets in her car, start following her. Boom. Cue the new scene. So we get a wide shot of Japan. Tokyo is what I'm saying. Oh, instead of Brazil. Instead of Brazil. Sabina is flirting with a sleazy businessman who is stealing humanitarian money. Well, maybe he's being like boastful about it. And Sabina is Look at of- all my humanitarian <laughs> cash. Um, I am just flushed with humanitarian cash that Sa- I spent on strippers, prostitutes. Sabina is introduced as a escort. That's mm-hmm. what he thinks she yep. is as she's led into the room. And it's soon revealed, pretty much the same as your plot, that she is in fact a decoy. And Jade, Jane, sorry, comes out and takes out the guards that are watching this businessman. Stan Presumably arrives. Presumably about to get it on with this prostitute. <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Stan comes out, paid by Patrick Stewart, and congratulations. Congratulates them. This was all part of the plan, and this is where we get our introduction to the angels. Pretty much exactly the same yeah. as your introduction. Next as, scene, as in the trailer as well, we get a glimpse of where the angels are held up. We can see Jade is practicing her boxing with another Bosley by the name of Sam. And as we're seeing that, we have Sabina come in, and Sam tells them both to get ready as they have another client that's reached out to them. Mm. Uh, he explains a little bit about it, a little bit about the situation. They go and they meet Eleanor at a coffee shop. We 
get to see a little bit beforehand about Eleanor's normal life. She goes into a cafe and starts telling Sam that she needs to speak to somebody in public because she's scared of her life. People have been following her. She feels her phones are tapped, etc., etc. She explains that she's a programmer who's created this Brock device, clean energy that yep. is supposed to happen, is actually can be weaponized and used for evil. But they're being listened to. By, by a man furiously and annoyingly tapping on a typewriter. Now, unlike your plot, it wasn't coincidence that the angels were here. Jane was posing as a waitress, mm-hmm. just in case things go wrong. And Sabina was up in the rafters taking photographs, scoping the place out. Well, I didn't say that it was coincidence. Jane was there undercover as a waitress. I thought you said it was a coincidence. No. I thought you said she was just there. <laughs> no, she happened to be there <laughs> oh, right. from Elena's point of view, right. but she was really there as protection. Oh, okay. My apologies then. Then we're at the exact same thing. <laughs> So you legitimately thought that she was a waitress? <laughs> yes. I thought she was doing undercover for something else. No. All right. Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. So then it leads to, as in my notes, I've referred to him as Creepy Thin Man, funnily enough. Mm. Gets a gun out and- Oh, wouldn't it be great if they did that in this movie too? That would be the perfect callback. That'd be good. There's a gunfight and then leads into a car chase. Sabina nearly jeopardizes the whole plan, but they manage to get away. Once they get back, they meet up with the next Bosley, Susan Bosley. A Bosley. Susan Bosley scolds Sabina for nearly jeopardizing the whole mission Mm. and for being so careless. And then she introduces herself to Eleanor and then decides to take her to the world of the angels, which we get a little bit of backstory about the characters. So we have In the trailer, it looked a little bit like they're in Berlin, but I couldn't confirm it 100%. I thought thought it was, yeah, the UK, which I think maybe they are in. But So essentially it gets explained by Susan that the angels used to be just three women and one Bosley and it's become an international thing. Her herself was the third member of this group Mm. The other two being Jane and Sabina, but she was promoted to being one of there the bosses. We go. Exactly. Jane is a former MI6 agent and she doesn't allow herself to ever become vulnerable. She's very straight laced and professional. Essentially, she became too much of an over- overachiever in her agency. Couldn't and, stop going rogue. And left <laughs> due to wanting to do the right thing when everyone else kind of didn't. Sabina is the cool, relatable character that doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself and wants to prove herself to herself, I guess, and Susan. And she's constantly making mistakes and is really hard on herself. She was brought up as an athletic gymnast and a well-off family, but decided to rebel and become an angel. She mostly does the decoy stuff, yeah. distract people and do... She's know, the incog- actor of the group. She's She does incognito, which I almost thought I'd make her an actor, but I thought this would be fun. And yeah, ironically, Kristen Stewart's the actor of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was a joke, folks. Yeah. And also during this time, we might see some references to the uh, old original angels throughout this facility. Like Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. The girl from Logan's Run. Or just like little nods and, and winks. Oh, you and mean like Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu. <laughs> all, all of Cameron them. Cameron Diaz. All of them. Maybe just references. Maybe people say, oh, there was this angel that used to do this. And we'll be like, oh my God, that's Drew Barrymore. Maybe Drew Barrymore will rock up and go, and that's kicking your ass. Anyway. So they have a plan and their plan is that they're going to try to infiltrate Eleanor's company, but she's doesn't feel safe to do it by herself and she needs to get access to places that she doesn't already have access to so they're all going to go in disguise Um, she knows the layout that's why she's going with them Mm -hmm. so they go in I said the same thing in mind Yep, so far so good. And then it goes horribly wrong because we meet the same bad guy who's managed to be following him this entire time. Mm-hmm. He's also gained access to the lab and he steals the Brock. <laughs> Sounds so stupid when you say that. Anyway. He's a Pokemon breeder. So yeah, so they run off scene in shoes and they need to now get the Brock back off the bad guy. They realize that the bad guy is doing a trade with a another bad guy. Mm. And another uh, international terrorist. Who is our Langston actually. And it's oh, in a host- really? hotel scene. Similar to like your plot, this is where we'll see Sabina switch the codes over and da 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 and get the access code to that hotel. They sneak into the hotel and they realize that the whole thing is going down where they're making the trade. Wait, so the bad guy is Langston? He's yeah, the still- bad guy is Langston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, okay, fair enough. Yep. The trade goes down and we realize a little bit about Langston is he's a very well-off corporate businessman bad guy that again wants to use, he he hired out the creepy thin guy to now get this device so he's going to sell it to international terrorists. They try to track him through their jockey scene where they're trying to get more about him and then they realize that he's now over in Venice. Italy. Italy. Yeah. Exactly. So then they go over there. They find him. It's Susan and the angels. They're all down there. They all chase after the bad guy. They get- Is this the bad guy or is this Langston? Langston. Okay. Yeah. Because the bad guy's a different person to Langston. <laughs> Not creepy thing guy. Okay. Um, they manage to retrieve the Brock device. Hooray. Everybody wins. And they're going to rendezvous with Stan. When they meet up with him, they give him the device and it reveals that Stan was a traitor all along and takes the weapon from the angels because he is the mastermind behind this whole really? thing. Really? 
Yep, Ooh. Patrick Stewart is. In the process, he shoots and uh, mortally wounds Stan. Who? Uh, sorry, Sam. He's, he oh. shoots Sam, <laughs> okay. sorry, and mortally As in wounds him. Jimon on Sue? Yeah, that's okay. right. That's Ooh, right. I was confused there. I'm so like, he shot himself? So Susan meets with the angels and tells them that she figured it out, that Stan was actually a bad guy, and she knows what Stan's next move is. Uh, she at, knows because she's the director. Yeah. Stan she is, read the script ahead of time. <laughs> Stan is at a big elaborate party with other bad guys. Dancing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Patrick Stewart doing the monkey on the it's, dance floor? It's not so much for Patrick Stewart's benefit, okay. but these other wealthy elites, and he's going to sell this device to them and give it to the highest bidder. So the angels appear, they have a scuffle with Sam, they attempt to- Stan. Stan, sorry. They Sam's had, dead. <laughs> they had a scuffle with Stan. He attempts to release the weapon. Eleanor will disable the device because she knows how to do it yeah, and she built becomes it. completely void and useless. Sabina will fight the big bad guy, proving Creepy that Thin she- Man or Stan? Or like Creepy Thin Man. Uh, okay. Or maybe Langston. She'll fe- defeat the creepy thin so man. So why was and Jane Langston? Why was Jane flirting with Langston in okay. the trailer? Is that Langston? Yep. Are you sure? <laughs> 100%. All right. So it's not Langston who's the bad guy. It's some other dude. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I just completely <laughs> drove a steamroller through the middle of your plot. It's just some nameless bad Let's guy. Let's pretend that that didn't happen in the trailer. Let's pretend that that never happened and it's <laughs> Langston. It's, you know, the bad guy. No, because I've got that guy in my in my plot as well very soon. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's say that he's not like, okay, just keep going as though I never said anything. All right. All right. So Sabina beats them up and proves to herself that she's a badass too. And at the end, Jane will drop her guard and be vulnerable and kiss the nerdy scientist, which you've told me is Langston, which I didn't put two and two together. Um, so who's this nerdy scientist? Where did he come from? <laughs> oh, he was just in the party. That's oh, okay. They, they just found them. Yeah, he might have been someone who was, he was working reading in the lab. like a biology textbook in the corner. <laughs> no, I think I think he's he. They meet him uh, beforehand at the lab. Okay. Yeah. And what he, lab? And he accidentally helps them out when they go into the oh when they break into the Brock yeah. Corporation. Exactly. I like that it's the Brock Corporation in yours as well. Yeah, and then they meet him again at this party because yeah. some of the Brock employees are there. Just dancing. Yeah, Patrick just dancing. Stewart. Well, it's a reward for this product. Yeah, okay. Um, so Eleanor is about to leave back to her normal life. She says her goodbyes before Susan offers her to be an angel full-time and she accepts. We have the next scene where the angels are all hanging out, having fun, somewhere exotic, and they get called by Charlie to go into action. From that little voice box. From that little voice box and off they go. A sequel is set up. And here is where I'm going to add something very controversial. Mm. We're going to have Elizabeth Banks as Susan Bosley narrating. There were three different girls, three different lives, and she'll introduce each of those characters mm-hmm. and then say the differences. They work for Charlie. Boom. Charlie's Angels. Big song. And we're all home to the races. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm sorry that I pulled out the rug from the <laughs> middle of it there through the Langston bombshell. Look, but it kind of pulled apart I tell itself. You, what, you thought that our two plots had a lot of differences, but I think they had more similarities than yeah. differences. I think we're very much seeing the same movie in our minds here. Yeah. So there we go. So if anybody else, if you, the listener, has an idea of what's going to happen in the upcoming Charlie's Angels movie, you can always let us know. We have an email address where you can send in a plot prediction at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. Potentialspoilerspod is all one word. Otherwise, we've got a Facebook group. It's pretty easy to find. Do a search for Potential Spoilers Podcast in the little Facebook search bar. Otherwise, leave us a comment on this episode's page. Should we tell everybody what we're talking about next week? Let's do it. I don't even think you know at this stage, Matty Nope. But I'm very excited to say we're talking about another movie that may not even come out. I can guarantee you that this one will come out eventually. Great. But at least there's a trailer for it. Next week, we're talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now, anybody who's been keeping up knows that it was supposed to come out in November, but it has been they delayed. They had a few issues. Yes. We'll talk all about that next week, but it has officially been delayed until April next year. So this is a really early prediction. It's going to be a long game. About the time that New Mutants comes out, that's when we'll be seeing Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. So if you have an idea of what's going to happen in that movie as well, Sonic the Hedgehog that is, please let us know. And I can't wait to join you, Matty D, next week to talk about that. I'm ready. <laughs> You're excited, I can tell. I was like, I'm really rushing to go, but, you know, it's because it's Sonic theme. (laughs) Let's go home. (laughs) Let's do that. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Who are you? I'm Bosley. I'm Spartacus! 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 I'm